Yeah, we, uh, we are in the middle of a sanctuary remodel, um, so that's, that's why it looks like this. And that's why you're in chairs. Uh, the pews will come back once they've been fixed. And it's, uh, it's, it is true that this, this uh, section in First John is all about love. Um, but today, uh, John contrasts that with hate. Um, and hate is, uh, well, I mean, we've all heard the uh, Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. So we know what haters are like. They're the people who are uh, <laughs> indifferent to us, or they're, they're vicious because they don't, uh, you know, see eye to eye with us. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to have to delve a little bit into hate to see what love actually is. The contrast uh, is going to expose love. And I think it's going to give us an opportunity to respond in some really uh, powerful ways. So let's take a look at the text um, this is 1 John uh, 4, 19 to 5, 1. Uh, we love because he first loved us, or we love because he loved us first. When someone claims, I love God, while hating a brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we're not loving the brother or sister we've seen, we aren't able to love the God whom we haven't seen. So this is the command that we have from him. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters too. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God, or is God-born. And everyone who loves the parent, loves the parent's child too. Well, let's uh, let's dig in. First, and this is a little bit of an aside, but it's so critical to know. We love because he first loved us, or he loved us first. Uh, In in, in one sense, this is kind of uh, obvious to Christians, right? Uh, Our love springs from the fact that God reached out and loved us, Yes? Um, but uh, it, it's more than that. Uh, John's actually pointing to a pattern that is, that is all over the scriptures. It, it, it begins at the very beginning of scripture and all the way through. It's a pattern that God follows. Um, I have a picture here of Pioneer Town, which is apparently close to Palm Desert. Pioneer Town, I, I don't understand exactly what it is, uh, but it, it, it sounds like it's a place where you can go where it's like, it's like the Old West. And there's like a candy store and a, a saloon. Now, personally, I would never go to a place like Pioneer Town uh, because it seems silly to me. But I also know that we've got a whole lot of people in this congregation who are the life of the party. And you guys know who you are. Uh, I, I, if I'm talking to y'all, you're going to bring out something. You'll be like, hey, Tom, we're going we're gonna to go get married and we're going to do it at Pioneer Town. Like, I think that's actually happening, by the way. Uh, um, is, Eric, is Eric here? He's not. Okay, well, we can make fun of him behind his back. Um, I think, I literally think he's going to go out to Palm Desert and drive to a place called Palm to get married. And he was telling me about this, and I was like, man, you really know how to pick them, man. And, and as he's talking about it, as he's getting excited about this, I started getting excited about something ludicrous. I was like, man, the next time I go to Palm Desert, I need to check out Pioneer Town. This is awesome. Eric's the life of the party. And he's not the only one. I mean, if, uh, Kevin Klein, I know he's crazy too. He, he, he was telling me that what he likes to do is he likes to hike out in, uh, behind Ortega and find places where wild animals live and set up cameras and catch them at night. And so he has like video after video of all these animals that he's like coyotes and mountain lions and stuff that he's, and I'm like, wow, that is absolutely nothing I would ever be interested in. But now that you're telling me about it, I kind of want to go. Life of the party. So, so Kevin you know, initiates, I respond. 
Y'all do too. When someone is the life of the party, that's how they operate. They, they, they go out and they find all these amazing, exciting things. And they're like, you should join me. And you're like, yeah, I should. <laughs> that's how God works. Uh, this is exactly how God works from the very beginning of Scripture to the end. That's how God works today. When God, God's like, hey, I have this amazing t- uh, plan. Hey, Abram. Why don't you leave everything you've ever, ever known and move to a brand new place that I have for you? Abram was like, okay. He goes to Moses and, and he's like, you know, these are my people and they've been enslaved. It's time for that to end. Moses, why don't you help me out? He's like, okay. Saul, I want you to become the king. Okay. That's the response. That's the way God initiates. God initiates, we respond. That's how life is supposed to work. That's the first thing in your note sheets. God initiates, we respond. Jesus comes and loves, and he's like, you should love too. Like, okay, yeah. And that brings up a couple of questions. What's God been initiating for you? What's, what's God initiating? Where, where's the, and, and, some, and God, let's be honest, it sounds fun, but it's actually usually pretty scary. Usually it seems like something impossible. And it's true, uh, those things that are really important, life-altering, meaningful, consequential, those things tend to be really tough. They tend to involve things like confession. They intend, sometimes it's just like, go stop sex trafficking. We're like, yes, that's awesome. But sometimes it's like, hey, there's some really big problems with your kids. And they're facing things that are really dark. And you're in the midst of navigating what that's going to look like as they grow up um, in this culture. And so maybe that's something that God's initiated in your life. If he has, if God has initiated that, well, how are you responding? That's the second question. How are we responding to that movement, uh, that divine movement? Because if we're being honest, a lot of times, well, we'll put it this way. I, I, I said, oh, Moses, you know, go free the people from Israel. What actually happened? Moses is like, no, I'll pass. He's afraid of public speaking. No, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not a leader. God called Saul. Saul, I need you to be king of Israel. You know what Saul did? He, uh, he ran and he jumped into like a bunch of luggage and hid so that no one would find him. Maybe there's things uh, in your life that are so hard, they're difficult to face. And even though you know deep down God's initiating this movement, you're like... I'm not sure I want to dig in there. Then John goes on. He's like, okay, so, so, so God's initiating. You're responding. Well, there's a problem. There's a problem because a lot of people say they're responding, but they're not. When someone claims, I love God, while hating a brother or sister, that person is a liar. Ah, that's nothing we have to worry about. We know what hate looks like. For me, uh, hate looks like uh, movie villains. Uh, one of my favorite is Jafar from Aladdin. What I like about Jafar is that this guy hates everybody. He hates his boss. He hates the woman he wants to marry. He even hates his best friend. And you're kind of wondering, Jafar, what is it that motivates you? And there's nothing. He's just a grotesque. He just has a heart filled with blackness, and all he likes to do is hate. We're not like that. That word uh, hate um, in the Greek is meseo. And hate 
uh, does not mean, um, in the Greek, in the, in the ancient world, that, that word does not mean I, I want to murder you and see you dead, okay? That's not, it, it can mean that in extremes, but actually, for the most part, when maseo gets used, it, it gets used to mean something like, um, I have a strong distaste for you, or I have a strong disfavor for you. It's a little bit more than uh, you rub me the wrong way, um, but not that much more. And as we uh, think about um, our community of, of faith and, and even your community outside of this place, you've you got to ask yourself a question. Am I a hater? It's the next thing you know, she's, are you? Because no one wants to think of themselves that way, right? We want, we want to think that we're loving people. We want to think that we're good. We're decent human beings. Especially if we're in church, right? People in church are... But it turns out that actually um, the reason John brings this up is that John has been in church for a long time. John has been in church since the beginning. By the time he writes this letter, John's an old man. John's been doing church his whole life. And one thing that he's seen over and over and over and over again is that there's people who are like, Jesus, I love you. They raise our hand. We raise our hands. We sing the songs. We feel it. And secretly, or maybe not so secretly, there's a few people in the pews that we wouldn't be upset if some bad things happened to them. Which brings up a couple more questions. Number one, is there someone here you can't stand? You may be surprised to find out that there's actually a few sinners here. Um, people who have done wrong. And uh, there's probably some people, if, you know, if you're newer, like, it, we all, we look like a big happy family. And honestly, if you've been here for a while, we are a big happy family. But that doesn't change the fact that there's drama. And from time to time, there's people who, and maybe it's not even just here, you know, it's, it's your, your work, um, in your, in your family, God forbid. And if that's the case, uh, when, when, if, that's, if that's something that's harboring in your heart, when you say, I love God, you're lying. We're going to see why in just a second. But if you say that, if that's what's going on in deep, deep down, then you're not a God lover. I'm not a God lover when I'm in that place. And so if there is that person that, that I can't stand, that you can't stand, what do we do about it? Well, the, the second question, how, what would it look like to soften, right? What would it look like to, to instead of holding them in, you know, contempt or, uh, or what would it look like to begin changing the heart, softening to this person or people? That's well, not going to be easy. And, uh, and, and John's going to show us why. So if we go back to the text, what does he say next? He's like, okay, if you're hating, you're not loving God. If you're, if you're not loving a brother or sister that you have seen, well, you're not able to love the, a God that you can't see. 
Right? So this is a command. If, if you want to love God, you better be a brother, sister, lover too. Why? Why is that? Why is it that we can't, like, what, what is actually going on there where, where it's impossible, according to John, to love God and yet have somebody that's a, a part of the family that, that we would like bad things to happen to? Why is that? Well, if you haven't read it, I uh, highly recommend um, C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters. Has anyone read this book? Uh, where's where's Caden? Oh, he's probably teaching. Well, Caden's always looking for uh, for you know new books to read. Well, Caden, I suggest that you read this book. It's a, it's a, it's a fast. It's funny, but it's also strongly convicting. It's the story of a a, a a junior demon who has been assigned to tempt and uh, and derail this uh, young Christian man's life. And he's, he's worried that he's not doing a good job. And so he writes uh, letters to his uncle, who's like one of the best at, 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 one of the best demons at wrecking Christian lives. So he writes these letters to his uncle Screwtape, the Screwtape letters. Um, and it, this, the, the, the story takes place in the middle of World War II. And at one point, uh, the junior tempter, he gets really excited because the, the, the Christian he's been assigned to has started really hating the Nazis. Uh, he's, a, he's a British guy. He's living through World War II. He hears what's happening. He's like, man, those Nazis. I hate those guys. And, and, and he's like, this is great, right? Like, if we really wanted to, to wreck someone's faith, we would want to engender hate. And so hating the Nazis, this, this is awesome. This is going to change the, the Christians. It's going to derail him. His uncle says, whoa, 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 slow your roll, friend. Hating the Nazis? Let me ask you a question. What, what, is, what is this guy going to do about the Nazis? He's not in the military. Nothing. He might shout from the rooftops, I hate the Nazis. Doesn't change anything. He's like, in fact, what, what's actually upsetting is that even though he hates these Nazis who are far away, that are basically like they're no part of his life at all, even though he hates the Nazis, it's... I'm getting worried because he's being so loving to the people around him, the people he's in close proximity to. You see, what, what you really want is you want, you want a, a person not to hate something that's far away, that has nothing to do with it. You actually want people to love, put, put their love in those places. Maybe uh, Ukraine, right? Uh, and I know that there's a, a, an invasion of Russia by, uh, into Ukraine, and so a lot of people really love Ukraine these days. We're compassionate. We feel bad for the poor people in Ukraine. And I do. It sounds like awful what's going on there. Uh, but, but that's where we invest our compassion, our love. Something far away, something that has absolutely nothing to do with our actual regular real lives. I love Ukraine. I'm going to put a Ukraine flag on my, on my Twitter account. And I'm going to post on Facebook all of the important things that are happening about Ukraine. And then... There might be this person at my church, and she's a little bit of a busybody. She's kind of a gossip. She gets involved in things. I already kind of don't like her, but I find out she doesn't care about the people of Ukraine. What a monster! How could she? How could she not be pouring out all of her love and compassion like I am on the people of Ukraine? I know she's a monster. She's evil. I need, she, if there's something I can do to destroy her, I should. What if? 
I love God so much. Yeah, he's, he's, he's far away and I can't see him, but I've read about him. I have these ideas about who God is. And God, I just I love you. You're so holy. You're so pure. You're so good. And I really am starting to think that these people around me don't deserve you. They don't, they, don't, they don't have the passion that I have for you and for, and for your will. They don't, they don't have um, the humility that I have before you. Uh, it, it seems like they're not paying enough attention to you. And I kind of hate them. What John understands is that love of things that are far away, the things that are invisible, that that love costs nothing. But putting up with and softening towards the person right next to you can cost everything. And those of you who have been a part of dysfunctional families, you know that ironically, the people that are closest to you are often the hardest ones to love. This next thing in your note sheets, those closest are hardest to love. John knows if you're not able to love that person that's next to you that uh, really doesn't get it, how can you claim to love a God whose love is defined by going out and giving grace to people who don't get it? And it brings up a couple more questions. Where's your love? Where's your benevolence? Is it located far away in Ukraine? Do you, are, you, are, you, are you loving um, the people, the, uh, your favorite politician, your favorite uh, media personality? Um, is that where your love goes? Or is it local, right around you? Number two. Have you tried it? Because I guarantee you, we're really lucky to have a church where the people, you, you all are mostly, mostly lovable. Um, I, and I super appreciate that. Uh, for the most part, I mean, you, you have your edges. You're, you're working on it, I get it. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, but for some of you, you might think that there's some people around here that are... And you're wondering how. Okay, how do I do it? Let's just say, Tom, I'm willing to go out and I'm willing to try loving someone as horrible as... Don't do it, Doug says. Don't, don't call it out. Don't say a person. Some, someone will think that I actually hate that person, that they're really... No, okay, I won't do it. How do you do it? Well, check this out. John tells us at the very end. Check this out. Uh, this is so cool. It's such a beautiful... Uh, piece of, of the text. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God-born. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, you're a, you're a child of God. You're, <clears throat> you're, you're, God is your father, right? And everyone who loves the parent loves the parent's child too. How does that work? Everyone who loves the parent loves the child too. Well, let's just pick one at random. Jake. 
Jake. Jake's weirded out because uh, I love him. And he's like, what? No. Jake, why do I love you? It's, it's in, yeah, you're having a hard time wondering. Is it the long hair, the beautiful locks? The, I gotta say, the skateboarding videos are pretty rad. I'm impressed. Uh, but really, man, the reason that I love you is that I see a piece of your mom in you. I see that, uh, you know, deep down, you are capable of really incredible love, man. Lauren. Why do I love you? It's because I see the resemblance. I see the good things that your mom gave you. I see the way that you've taken after Nate. And I love them. And so I love you too. Because I see them in you. Evie! No? Evie worked so hard to be not loved by me. (laughs) And I personally very much appreciate that. You get the point. What John's saying is he's like, listen, everybody here, everybody that has been born of God has God as their father, and that means that there is something about each and every one of us that resembles the one who gave us birth. We have some kind of resemblance to God in us. And if you find someone hard to love, what's going on, part of it, is that you're not seeing how that person resembles the father. You're not seeing how that person comes from God and reflects and resembles God's own character. And if you can't see that, that's why you can't love. But if you love God, if you love the Father, then you're going to see the peace, the pieces, the reflections of the Father in the ones around you. And you're going to find a way, a place of purchase to get in, even when they irritate the crap out of you. You're going to start to see it. That's the last thing in your note sheets. Look for the resemblance. If you want to start loving, look for the resemblance. Look for the the, the character, the attitude of the Father, of the Son, of the Spirit, the triune God, as it's drawn down into and enfleshed in someone here in this place that you can't stand. And I confess to you that... um, That's why I love you all so much. The more I get to know you, the more I get to see you, I get to see how God has shaped and formed and redeemed and empowered you to become fresh, different individuals, beautiful little reflections of Jesus. And if you don't see that in the people around you, maybe you don't even see it in yourself. Maybe you, 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 you've missed the way in which you are a child of God. 
in all of the various different possibilities and ways that that could be. Maybe you've missed that you are a compassionate person. Maybe you've missed that you are absolutely passionate about justice. Maybe you've missed that you love people regardless of where they come from. Maybe you've missed those things and you're not seeing the fact that you're God's child. And maybe that's keeping you from seeing the resemblance in the people around you. You are God's children. You are deeply loved. See that in the people around you. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we confess that we're people whose hearts, it's easy to turn aside. It's easy for us to slip into, well, hate. It's easy for us to, 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 to not follow when you initiate, to not respond. It's easy for us to, to think that we love you while we're harboring deep, brutal resentment to the people around us. God, may you open our eyes. May you show us a way to love the unlovable, the hard to love. May you illuminate before us the way that you've made them to be like you. May we see the deep resemblances that we have to you, our Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us what love looks like. Jesus, thank you for the example that you set, that while we were yet in sin, you died for us. And may that image, may that example inspire and empower us to love. And Holy Spirit, give us that power. Holy Spirit, open our hearts to be vulnerable, to take risks, to convict us and yet encourage us to show us that we truly are children of the Father. Triune God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.